0: Hello, friends. This episode of the podcast, as all, are fueled by Caveman Coffee. Go to CavemanCoffeeCO.com and get on some of that single source, single origin, single family, single farm, and fucking delicious. CavemanCoffeeCO.com. We're also brought to you by Stamps.com. Stamps.com, and it's the holidays, fuckers. You know what's up. You got to send some shit through the mail. It's a nightmare to get to that. Goddamn post office. The lines, oh, the lines, the time, the bullshit, all could be avoided with stamps.com. Especially if you have a small business, if you send things out on a regular basis, I have your solution. The solution is stamps.com. With stamps.com, you can avoid all the nonsense by simply buying and printing official U.S. postage with your regular computer and a regular printer. You slap that shit on your box, hand it to the mailman or drop it in a mailbox, and you're done. With the deal that we offer with this podcast, you go to stamps.com. You click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. You type in J-R-E. That's stamps.com. You enter J-R-E, and you get a free digital scale, free postage, and a $110 bonus offer. Plus, it's a four-week trial. So you type in J-R-E. You get a $110 bonus offer, which includes, again, free postage, free digital scale. You use that digital scale to measure out your packages, to weigh your packages. You print out the postage, slap it on the box, and it's done. It's over. It's beautiful. It's easy. Stamps.com, enter J-R-E. We're also brought to you each and every episode by Onnit.com. Go to O-N-N-I-T and check out what the fuck I'm about to talk about. Onnit is a total human optimization website. And what we are trying to achieve with on it is we're trying to provide a one-stop portal for motivation, for inspiration, and to provide you with all the physical tools like strength and conditioning equipment, healthy foods and supplements, things like Alpha Brain, Shroom Tech Sport, New Mood, all all the various things that we sell at on it are things that we have found to be beneficial, things that we have found that help pump up your physical body. Uh, increase your your mind's ability to remember things to process information to form and articulate sentences and with that I'm talking about alpha brain Um, we have scientific studies to back up um, all the various supplements that we sell Uh, all the stuff it's not snake oil it's all things that have been proven in double blind placebo controlled studies like the ones that we've done with alpha brain and, and also things that we've used and we've found beneficial ourselves, things like kettlebells, which uh, if you've heard this podcast before, you've heard me rattle out about the importance of kettlebells and functional strength and fitness and uh, conditioning Uh, routines. I think they're one of the best tools in the world. It's uh, essentially like a bowling ball made out of cast iron with a giant cast iron handle. And you use them to perform all these full body motions and movements. Um, If you don't know what these things are, and you've never heard of them, just Google kettlebells, watch a few videos. And if you're thinking about starting out and trying it, I urge you, please, if you can afford to, Please get a trainer to show you how to do these things correctly. Um, If you can't do that, there are videos that will show you online how to do it, but pay attention carefully and start light. Get a light kettlebell, and you don't need much. There's a video that we have that we sell the Keith Weber Extreme Kettlebell Cardio Workout that is very light. Um, I, I do it with a 35 pound workout and fucking brutal. I mean, brutal uh keith actually just put out number three that we're gonna have to start selling on our site soon we've got number one and number two available but he just came out with a number three and and he's awesome i, I love that dude and his uh his workouts are fantastic and uh all that stuff is available again at onit.com. go to o-n-n-i-t and when you're there click on the academy link the academy link is filled with all sorts of great workouts uh, diet tips, articles on the science of nutrition and of strength and conditioning, and workouts of the day. Again, Onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T. Use the code word ROGAN and you will save 10% off any and all supplements. All right. My guest today is the great Josh Zepps. Josh Zepps is a former uh, online person for Huff HuffPost Live. And now he has his own podcast called We the People Live. And he's just a really cool, very thoughtful, intelligent guy. And uh, we were supposed to do longer, but I I fucked up the timing and wound up only being like an hour and a half. But then we went on did another hour on his podcast, so you could check that out on uh, We the People Live, the podcast. So without any further ado, please welcome the great and wise, Mr. Josh Zeps. Joe Rogan
1: Podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day.
0: Dun, da, da, dun.
1: And we're live, Josh Steps. Uh, the- I didn't even notice, and then I took a sip of coffee, sure. and then my mouth was full of coffee. Perfect timing. I didn't realize. It's all right, dude. Should have had a countdown of five or something instead of three. Well, Jamie was doing this thing with his fingers. Yeah, he was. I saw him over there of the periphery of the corner of my eye. Yeah. I wasn't sure what he was doing. Was it a countdown? Was it a wave? Gang signs. Gang signs.
0: That's his gang. Jamie. He's in the JRE gang. <laughs> Throws up the three, two, one. Will you teach me after the show, Jamie? Some of the signs. Shh, can't after the show. You can't even talk about it, dude. It's,
1: Sorry. It's on, keep on the DL. First rule of JRE gang: <laughs> you don't talk
0: about JRE dude, gang. It's a perfect time to have you in because the fucking world is literally about to go crazy. What's going on? J- about to? Yeah. Well, it's, feel like it has. It's just the bubbling. I think we we think it has, but here we are. In this uh, wonderful office park in the valley in California, and everything's fine. Mm. You go outside, there's birds chirping, so the whole world hasn't gone crazy. It's True, but there's spots that are g- going fucking crazy. Yale is going crazy. Yep. You pay attention to that. The students absolutely. Student thing. I did yeah. my
1: whole show about it last week on my new podcast, which we're going to do an episode of after this. That's I'm very right. The new called- Josh
0: Debs podcast. Called- what is it called?
1: Hashtag We the People Live. If you search hashtag, oh, hashtag- We the People it. Live, it's mm. made- we're so like down with the hip social future you got to get with it, Joe. I do.
0: Hashtags are something I only use, like, in jest, you know? Yeah,
1: well, this is sort of in jest. It's, it's tongue-in-cheek. It's also uh, a cool way of, like, if, for people to search for you, there's probably a bazillion We The People Lives podcasts, yeah. but there's only one that's going to start with a hashtag. So you put in a hashtag, and ours will presumably be the first to come up.
0: I use it for the UFC only, like, hashtag UFC 90, 193, if I'm talking about, like, an event. Yeah. I'll do that. But hashtags are interesting, because if you ever go to hashtags, you ever go to, like, hashtag
1: Black Twitter... Yeah, I never do it. Jesus. It's Christ. It's a serious
0: place. his face. That's where he <laughs> spends 23 hours a day. <laughs> well, you know
1: how sometimes sometimes you don't need to go to them cuz they come to you. When you yes. say something, then you get taken out of context, then mm-hmm. you get picked up by some blog and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, like all over the weekend I've been getting all these tweets just out of the blue about what fascism is. I was like, "What? Are, who are these people and why are they Tweeting at me, I don't even know. I didn't even know that I said anything about fascism. Well, it's because Breitbart picked up something that I did on a segment on HuffPost Live last week and wrote something up about it about how apparently I implied that Donald Trump was a fascist, which I actually didn't mean because I don't think that he is. But and you now all of a sudden I'm in the hashtag, like I'm part of the hashtag about fascism without even choosing it.
0: I believe that most people who use the term fascist or fascism don't really exactly know what the term. I think means. you're totally right. So let's help them out right now. Let's find the official definition of fascism because I think most people get it wrong fascism means an authoritarian and nationalistic right wing system of government and social organization so people use that there's other definitions of it, of, of course, but extreme right-wing, authoritarian, people use that for a lot of like non-fascist reasons.
1: That's true, and I probably used it sloppily myself in the context in which Breitbart was picking me up, and they would have a point if, if I did come across as saying that Donald Trump was a fascist, but all the people who were tweeting back at me were saying, fascism isn't right-wing, you idiot, it's left-wing, it's left-wing, socialism is the real fascism, you don't even understand the meaning of the word. So I just responded with a, di- with the, a link to the Oxford... Dictionary, which also includes the word right wing in it, like yeah, it's mostly
0: considered right wing, but people are using it in the left wing circles now, or or about left wing circles because they're using it in the authoritarian context. That's right. That is, uh, I, I think that's applicable because a lot of what is going on in, like, really extreme social justice left-wing type organizations or groups is that they're trying to control behavior and they're trying to mitigate criticism. Like, you can't criticize these concepts because these concepts are supported by, you know, social justice. And-
1: I've got an interesting study on that that I, wanted, that I brought for you, which you're Please. going to like. And um, before I get to it, I, want to, I don't want to forget what I was just thinking. When you were talking about how here we are in the valley, birds outside. Chirp, chirp, chirp. Chirp, chirp, chirp. chirp sunshine. The trees. It's a very good, that's a very good birdie, Joe. Thank you. Smell Practice on, that all day. Give us my little one. I want to hear it again.
0: <laughs> I'm going to put that as my ringtone. Ah, do it, dude. You'll never hear your phone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just put up really, really loud. Um, so I was in Beirut briefly a few months ago and was standing on the rooftop of this swanky hotel looking out over the Mediterranean and looking out over the the houses. And I was like, This is like an idyllic, beautiful part of the world in terms of its natural beauty. And I could practically swim from here to the Greek islands, how people are, basically, right, the refugees. And I had just been in the Greek in, in Athens as well, which is like geographically, physiologically, Italy, Greece are the same as all these fucked up parts of north africa and israel and palestine and and lebanon and not to mention syria and i was like just struck by how capable we are of fucking things up Mm. as people because the actual geography is the same like those waves are the same waves as the ones on the italian riviera
0: but the italian
1: riviera is the italian riviera and this shithole is this shithole through no difference of climate or Sun or the birdies are still there the birdies are the same but religion and politics just has an endless capacity to to screw things
0: up. you could call it religion or politics but it's really just power it's human beings trying to achieve power and you can do it through whatever modality you choose but the, the reality is it's just people that are trying to control
1: other people and yeah. trying to gain things, but I think to it's in acquire. particular tribes trying to control other tribes, yeah. and politics and religion make you much more likely, it make it much easier to be tribal, much easier to not be an individual.
0: Sorry, but uh, sort of. But isn't the argument against that what we were just talking about? When, in terms of social justice warriors and and, and people calling people fascists? I mean, the, you're you're the, you're in a tribe. If you're on the extreme left or the extreme right, you're in a tribe. You know, when you talk to right wing people, they're almost incapable of not bringing up liberals or the liberals think they don't just bring up their own concepts and their own thoughts. They'll immediately disparage liberal ideas like immediately. Well, you know, they'll tell you, well, you're a liberal, you know, you you believe in this and this and that. So you're a liberal. And they'll like immediately like downplay your ideas. That's a tribal thing.
1: Absolutely, that's politics. It's religion. A- as is, and social justice warriors yeah. will do the same thing. They'll do the same thing yeah. about. I mean, our, my you know the first the first time I came to your attention was with that interview with Suey Park, the Council Colbert <laughs> H- activist, right? And conversing one of, with- still
0: one of my favorite. <laughs> when, when you just broke it down to her, you're like, this is so fucking unbelievably stupid. <laughs>
1: And you could tell she was just like devastated that you you even had the balls to question her. <sighs> to people who hadn't haven't seen it, she wanted to can't have, the, have the Colbert Report cancelled because apparently it was racist and I did an interview with her on HuffPost Live. Well, not only that, she, it was a joke about yeah, it was someone a being... a joke.
0: It, it, well, it, for people who don't even know the show, Colbert plays a character. He plays an extreme left-wing kind of goofy character. Excuse me, extreme right-wing kind of goofy character. And in that context of that character he made a joke about racism like about it was a joke about racism and in that it was a funny to,
1: joke too do you remember what the joke was yeah i do, I do. it was it was dan snyder who who's the, the head of the redskins right yes who was saying that he he so that he didn't have to change the name of the redskins because it was racist he was going to set up uh, a charity for native american causes and stephen colbert in his right-wing persona said that sometimes he'd been accused of doing jokes that could be considered to be offensive about Asian people. So in return, he was going to set up the Ching Chong Ding Dong Foundation for Sensitivity Towards Orientals or whatever.
0: (laughs) Or whatever. And she found that offensive. Yeah. Not really. I don't believe she really did. I I think she found it. It was a green light for her to attack and to use hashtag
1: activism. And to you know, get on, get some publicity. There's so, a anyway. story
0: that's making the rounds today. A Kansas City University professor who, in a class um, about racism, uh, a discussion about racism and discrimination, she used the word nigger. And in using the word... All these students are trying to get her fired, right. and she's been removed of her duties. Right now, she's been temporarily suspended under review or whatever their process is. But in just saying the word, not saying someone is like this is a word that people have issues. Let's discuss words that people have issues with. What are the origins of these words? Why are they problematic? What is you know what what can be done about this? I don't I mean, I'm not sure exactly what the context of her class is, but.
1: They, I'm sure. It, I'm sure the context wasn't. Let's go around accusing black people of being niggers. Absolutely right? not. Absolutely not. But
0: this is the same kind of thing. I don't believe anyone in that class was actually hurt by that. Well, we sort I think of, they, f- they found the green light and they attacked.
1: Yeah. Don't we learn what to be offended by? Yes. So it's possible that, that someone felt like an initial kind of reaction of, oh my god, I just heard that right. word. That's a good. And point. I've been told that that word is completely unacceptable under all circumstances.
0: And I've been told that I'm allowed to be offended. Yeah, that's and right. And
1: in, indeed ought to be offended. Yes. And so, like, I was amazed by the power of that word when I first came to the States. Because only here is do, it does do we have this dumbass word, the N-word, like that that's, phrasing. That phrase, yeah. I mean, I'd never heard that until I came to the States. In Australia, it was... Completely unacceptable to ever to ever use the word negro against somebody. You would just never do that. I mean, I was taught since the earliest days that racism is terrible, but you could talk about it in polite company. I mean, you, if you if it came up, you would be able to discuss the existence of the word, and nobody would ever say the n word. But you guys have racism
0: towards aborigines. That's totally. pretty. That's pretty real over there.
1: This is. But another, it's not towards black people, right? No, that's right. But there's there's uh, there is a much 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 bigger awareness of the kind of tragedy of the original sin of what happened when australia was settled than there is here towards native americans i sort of regard native americans as being the people who've really been screwed in this country i mean not to not that it should be a competition of like who's right you know whose suffering was worse or like i'll put my who, slavery who up against your genocide. More. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right That's right. because i always hate it when, the, when we get into those games but um no, no one even talks about – like in Australia, if you go to an awards ceremony, for example, if you're at the Grammys, every single presenter will come up and they will begin by saying, I want to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of this land, the Yadawundi people. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll at least give a kind of politically correct nod to the fact that we occupied a country and basically wiped out an entire people and – you know, you'll see Aboriginal flags flying on Parliament House alongside the Australian flag. What the? F- I don't even know what the Native American flag is. Do they even have a flag? I don't believe they did. I mean, well, if they, they didn't, did. I mean, nor did Aborigines back then. They had but some like,
0: symbols. You know, they they certainly had symbols that were indicative of different tribes or different regions. But I don't I don't, I don't think they had flags. I could be wrong. No,
1: though. but I mean, Aborigines didn't have flags. Aborigines right. didn't even have metal. So
0: the, the, yeah, right. Okay. No I mean, right?
1: they were at the time when the British settled Australia. And I always get accused when I say things like this of, you know, by politically correct social justice warriors, of imposing onto traditional societies a, a an idea of human civilization as being better if it's like industrialized than if it's not industrialized. And, right. Because I'm like a white man who like totally thinks that like the 21st century is better than the fucking 15th century. Well, let me help out
0: do. because it is better. Yeah. Yeah. They have. We have computers and the internet – we have
1: books. We yes. have a lot of things that are better than like flint knives. <laughs> so let's just. <laughs> having said that, you're such a white you're such a white man, Joe. Uh, having said that, if you think about like the the traditional anthropological conception of human evolution, going from like the you know the the discovery of fire and farming, and then up through the the Bronze Age and the, and the Iron Age and so on, Aborigines when the when the British settled Australia were the least advanced civilization. In the world, by far. I mean, we're talking a mass. And again, I like the, the politically correct part of me has to keep qualifying. They had been around for over a hundred thousand years, so they were doing something successful. Like it's only been two thousand years since rabbits. Jesus. Well, that's true. <laughs> rabbits are doing a good job. Joe Rogan, too. <laughs> did you just compare Aboriginal Australians to rabbits? I
0: did, in that context.
1: Okay. I like, I, like, I like you for that because I like analogies and I like being able to accept analogies without thinking that the person is saying that the two things are the same in every respect. Yeah. Because I always get pulled up. Like I made a Hitler analogy the other day about – I was talking to – who was it? Donnie Deutsch. Do you know that guy? Yes. Um, and uh, he was talking about how he likes Trump, and I, and <laughs> and I made some parallel where I was like, he was, I was simply saying that like he was like he's popular, he's touching a vein. I was like, yeah, but is that the only reason to respect somebody? Hitler touched a vein as well, and he was like, he got all outraged on the air at the fact that I would like say Hitler. He was like, you can't do that. Like how dare you? I'm what? Jewish and I was li- I was like I was not I'm not saying that Trump is the same as Hitler, you idiot. I'm saying oh, that Christ. I'm saying that the criterion by which you were judging his success is Flawed, and I was using an analogy to do so.
0: Well, he should be—you know—he should be ashamed because he's doing the exact thing we're ex- accusing the extreme left of. Yeah, he, he saw a green light and he went after it. That's right. And, he had and does that- he really
1: think I'm a Nazi sympathizer oh. or that I'm like shitting on him? And then so then I was like, hey, my grandmother was in the concentration camp, so don't pull a Jew card on me. And yeah. then I just moved right on. Yeah, fuck.
0: Yeah, Donny. So how anyway, yeah, you.
1: Aborigines ha- didn't didn't have like metal and stuff. That's the no,
0: point, they me. were. I mean, they they were extremely primitive so far. Removed from we, what we consider to be advanced civilization, that Australia felt it was okay to actually take their children and adopt them. And this was recent. This 1950s. was in like the fifties. Yeah,
1: you know, until Ooh. you know, until 1969, <laughs> Aborigines were classified in Australia as fauna. Whoa. In other Whoa, words, they weren't not considered
0: <laughs> <laughs> not flora. <laughs> there might have been a couple of uh, floral
1: Aborigines, oh my God. but uh, they were mostly like in the same category as kangaroos. Now That's you couldn't, dark. you couldn't kill them. You couldn't. No, but I mean, they weren't officially classified as fauna. It's just that they weren't classified as human. Like they weren't considered to be people in the. So like you can't kill a chimp either. Yeah,
0: wow. That's fucked. So up. it's
1: a recent thing, but there's, it's come a long way in the past fifteen or twenty years. Now I think there's a general consensus that that we really fucked them over. Oh. I hope so. He <laughs> <laughs> can't steal their fucking babies. No matter. I mean. <laughs> No matter yeah, but this w- how was primitive. Not, not to defend it, but this was at the same time that, that Jim Crow was going on here, yes. right? I mean, it's not—it's not like we were enlightened. Our, well, our forefathers were enlightened in the fifties about race.
0: Yeah, well, the, everybody was pretty fucked up back yeah. then. I think it's very difficult for us to understand in 2015 what it was like in 1950, because I think we assume that they should have known better. They should have been like us. But a hundred years before them, they were cowboys. They, right. That's they. They had horses and right. trains, and that's it. And a hundred years before that, they didn't even have fucking trains, you know. And a hundred years before that, I mean, you're you're in the Dark Ages. Yeah, I mean, you're the 1500s, 1400s. You're a few hundred years removed from Genghis Khan.
1: It's I mean, so fast, and yeah. it? it's so like fast. I, I don't remember whether I've spoken to you about this before, but I was when I was in Greece on the trip that I was just talking about. Um, I was standing at the, you know, the Acropolis, and I'm, I was expecting to be wowed like all tourists are by, oh, the sheer age of this thing. Oh, I'm at the birthplace of Western civilization. And instead, what I thought was, I'd actually just been back to New Zealand because my grandma died. She was one day shy of her 100th birthday. Damn, she almost was, made it. <laughs> 99 and 364 days. So if she was just born premature, she would have had that <laughs>
0: you know i mean when you were born it's so arbitrary they, they induce right. labor
1: yeah that's know? a good way of thinking about it if you uh. take her from like the the third trimester oh yeah she made it she made it from the quickening yes she made it from the yeah. her soul made it mm-hmm. yeah 100 right. uh and what i was struck by at the acropolis and the parthenon was not like how old human civilization was but was like my grandma her lifetime is a manageable period of time in my brain. I can think about that in a way that when you talk to me about something that happened 50,000 years ago, it's just meaningless. And when you talk about the size of the cosmos or a light year or something, it doesn't... Like, I might be able to understand it intellectually, but it just washes over my head. I don't know what mm. you're talking about. But the lifetime of my grandmother, that's a manageable span of time. I can imagine A hundred years, yes. And you know what? This Acropolis, at the dawn of Western civilization before humans had even invented anything that we would recognize as being civilized in terms of laws and procedures and technologies, that's only a 100 of my grandmas. Yeah. Yeah. How about right? this? Or less. Jesus. No, it's, no sorry. It's 40. It's, it's, it's like 4,000 years. It's 40 of my grandmas. Jesus was 20 of my grandmas. Yeah. A nuclear weapon. My grandma was born during the Gallipoli campaign in World War One. Hitler wasn't even a name that her parents knew when she was born. The Depression hadn't happened. The bomb hadn't been invented, let alone computers. How fast are things going? Pretty fast. Like, how recently was it over the span of geological time that we were monkeys, effectively monkeys?
0: They believe 200,000 years ago, human beings were in this form. Their belief, but yeah. it it changes depending upon the fossil record. Like when they add new evidence, like they just found, uh, like within the last couple of weeks, they've recognized a new subspecies of human beings, an ancient subspecies. They found a giant tooth, so they're 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 finding fossil records that uh, pretty much. Pretty much coincide with the established belief that people are 200,000 plus years in this form. Like you could take a person from 200,000 years ago, they'd probably be considerably smaller than us because they didn't get a lot of food, and you'd put them in a movie theater and they would look just like you or I. Maybe worse teeth. Yeah. As long as they kept their mouth shut, you know, we showered them, trimmed whatever fucking weird hair they had. You know, I mean, they're probably just very strangely hairy. But, you know, obviously in the fossil record, we're not getting sk- too much. Sk- it's very rare they find skin and hair. So they're just kind of guessing mm. what they looked like on the outside. But they believe that about 200,000 years in this form, give yep. or take 100,000 years.
1: So that's pretty recent. More and whats even- give than take. Yeah. No, yeah. It's not really yeah. give and take. What's most, what's most sort of frightening to me is how recently technology has become as powerful as it is, especially nukes. And superimposing technology that was invented within the lifetime of my dad.
0: Think about what we just said, just that. If it, what's what's crazy and call it 300,000 years ago. 3,000 of your grandmas. Yeah. That's it. And we're monkeys. Yeah. Just 3,000. Like yeah. a, a good size uh, theater show. Yep. Like you go to the Chicago Theater, that's 3,700 people. That's a good spot to look at. Those people in that audience. If you get a full Chicago theater of 3,700 people, mm-hmm. if every one of them lived birth to death, just stop and think about that. That's, uh, that's fucking crazy. It's incredible, isn't it? That's crazy. It's fucking crazy. That's 300,000 years
1: and you don't even need to go that i mean you don't even need to go that far before the kinds of lives that people were li- living and the kinds of concerns that they had to concern themselves with were so parochial and they knew so little yeah. i mean even just back to the middle ages i mean think about having 50 of my no sorry five of my grandmothers get us back to the middle ages <laughs> five of them that's fifty. crazy 50 get us back to before we had before the Parthenon. God. I mean, we are, we are hairless apes who just, just now, just right now, just happen to have discovered the, the atom. Amazing. And
0: technology. The and Chicago the theater thing is really freaking out. That's a me good out. one. I like that. I love that. That one's freaking me out because that's monkeys. I mean, we go back to, like, we're basically fucking, like, the, the, the scene in 2001 where mm-hmm. they're around the monolith. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. That's
1: what we're talking about. So how many, how many people do you fit in a big stadium? Hundred, hundred and fifty thousand, 150,000, something like that? Yeah, like 000, a giant football stadium, station, Like the,
0: uh, the place that we did in Australia for the UFC, I believe, yeah. is 70,000 people. And that was enormous. Was that the MCG? That the was um, the, Etihad, Etihad uh, oh, they've Arena. Changed,
1: they've started sponsoring everything since I left. So yes. I don't even know what that would be now because Etihad I don't know. wasn't a big airline back then. Yeah. Was it in Sydney or Melbourne? Uh, Melbourne. All oh, right. It'd probably be the, uh, the cricket ground, right? formally though probably it's
0: right. got a retractable roof yeah that's right yeah it was the site of the biggest ufc ever and it was 70,000 people and that's an enormous enormous place but they have football places like jamie you're a football fan what's the biggest spot
1: uh i don't know if it's the exact biggest ohio stadium in columbus where the buckeyes plays like 110 they can fit in there it's, Yeah, wow. 108 officially thousand
0: what is that like when it's filled that must be it's insane crazy. it's
1: super loud uh the way they, i mean the way they have the sound going too it's a little bit it bounces off each other. Right. right, Being in it, so it's it's insane. It, that's got to be what the Colosseum was like in or, Rome. In mean, half, half like, but there's there's crazy people. They're drunk as shit. Yeah, like, yelling at each other. Yeah, dying, yeah. And there's fights all over. The I've place. been to <laughs> I've been to huge stadiums that are like a hundred, hundred ten thousand. So let's say a hundred thousand stadium, right? Right. It's a big place. But if you do use your analogy, your yeah. Chicago, my grandmother analogy, that's ten million years. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! What were we ten million years ago? We were rodents. <laughs> well, right? when did the dinosaurs die out? Sixty-five I mean, million
0: years ago. Apparently, we were a type of almost like a shrew-looking rodent. That's what we were. That's the current theory. That's what—that's what really makes evolutionary deniers angry. You know, people d- the people—the idea that we evolution. were just shitty little rats. You telling me that I was a shrew? <laughs> One Ohio State football game filled people ago, I was a true
1: The crazy thing is that the, the the science deniers, the evolution deniers, are the ones who are more monkey-like than the ones who mm. believe in science. True.
0: That was an old Bill Hicks bit. Is he just did thing about people being unevolved. That the people that don't believe in evolution are the most, they look the most unevolved.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: it's... It's too hard for us to, I mean, we're sitting here, we're not science deniers, and we're looking at the age of your grandma, 100 years, and we're just going back a few grandmas, and we're like, fuck,
1: man. <laughs> well, this just is to- the first time I've been amazed by that, though, because I, although, you know, when else I had this feeling was Richard Dawkins uh, has this cool analogy where he says, imagine, he's talking about how uh, evolution deniers, I keep wanting to say climate deniers, I anyway. don't know Evolution denies, we'll we'll talk about how there are these gaps in the fossil record, right? And how, like, well, what happened to the species that were interim species in between the species that we find? Richard Dawkins tries to make the point, the whole concept of a species is something that we sort of retroactively superimpose onto things because lots of animals, because the vast majority of animals die out and don't manage to succeed in this world. The vast majority of mutations fail. Mm. But he says, imagine getting a book, imagine getting a picture book, like a high school yearbook, and it's got your photo in it on the last page, and the page before that is your mother's photo, and the page before that is her mother's photo, and the page before that is her mother's photo, right? And you go back and back and back and back, all the way back to the first dawn of life, hundreds of millions of years ago. And each, each page is going to basically look like the page before it. There's never going to be a point at which, like, the shrew becomes a monkey right. or, like, you know, some amphibious creature becomes a shrew. Every child looks like its parent. But as you flip through the pages of this book, it's such a thick book that over time, like one of those little uh, cartoon figures that you could draw and it looks like it's moving on the page. Right. You, you, you just start the, morphing yeah. back, 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 back until eventually you're a fucking fish. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but it's, well, you know, your great-great-great-great-grandma is. Just add in enough greats. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand. It just has to be a really, really,
0: really, really, really big book. Well, our concept of time is just, it's just too hard. Well, it, look at it this way. Look at the changes that a person takes over the, the period of their life. Look at a person from, you know, think about a child and then turn that child into your grandma before she died. Mm. And that's a very different physical-looking thing as age sets in. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? There's a lot of changes that go on in nature, like the the growth of animals, death of animals, the plants and things along those lines there's all there are all sorts of growth and death and all sorts of changing and while we're looking at it in a static form you know if you go outside and look at those trees they look exactly the same as they looked yesterday mm. and it takes a long time before you recognize like oh this fucking thing's growing
1: i'm feeling that <clears throat> i'm feeling that myself kind of for the first time like my birthday yesterday and uh i've gotten to that age where, you know, I don't really care about, I don't really know. I didn't, like when I booked this trip, I didn't even know that it was my birthday <laughs> yesterday. How old are you? Yesterday, 38. That's when you start
0: denying it. I'm 48. So you
1: really start denying it denying just what like getting age. older. I'm not even yeah. paying
0: attention to that. That's not even important <laughs> to me. Why? I'm concentrating on the present. I live in the moment, Joshua.
1: <laughs> you, you know. You, yeah. you it's easy. To, it's a comforting bullshit, yeah. isn't it? Well, yeah. well, when you get to be like
0: 78, you are just like what do you do? I mean, what are you going to not parasail because you're 78, you know?
1: You no, get, that's right. But I think that the most... It is true, though, that, like, you know, age is on the inside. Because I can feel that now, at this age, I just have to do a shit more work not to feel crappy. And when I'm 22, it's just... Everything's great. Your body is just automatically functioning exactly as it should. Now, like, my ankle will just occasionally hurt. You know, that didn't happen when I was 22. I remember... I actually remember the first time in my life when I was getting out of a car. And as I got out of the car seat, I went... I was like, "What the fuck was that?" Did I just grunt as I was getting up? You I never it, like, grunted. <sighs> I had to, you know, just a very small like, <clears throat> uh, just to get out of a car seat. Wow. Yeah, but you know, just like uh, like you might. It's not a big deal. It's just right. like a young, a teenager never never just leaps out of the car seat. Right, whereas an old person gets out of the car seat going. It's <clears throat> a good point. I, I noticed when I for the first time <laughs> just did a little.
0: Yeah, it's like I'm old. I'm getting old. Got to exercise. Welcome to my thirties. Yeah, no. well, that's the other thing is nature is w- trying to kill you, mm-hmm. and, and nature would like you to give in to the same decay that you see in animals and the forest and what have you, It would like you to just accept the natural process, but us and our clever little minds have figured out how to mitigate that process at least slightly with exercise and nutrition and proper rest and supplementation, hormone supplementation and going to the doctors and new inventions and cryotherapy and all this crazy shit that people figured out how to just... (laughs) <laughs>
1: Just put the brakes on this fucking inevitable demise. I know. We're living way too long for nature. Nature loves us up until we're in our late teens, early 20s. Yeah. But by now, I've been like, I've been coming sperm for decades. Nature's like, you must have had kids by now, right? You TMI, must have.
0: Too much information. Well, I think everyone can, everyone can figure <laughs> out that
1: I've probably been able to come since I was a teenager. Well, you may
0: be gone tantric. You might be one of those dudes trying to keep the come inside them
1: and re-revigorate re- their do body. Do they do that? Is that a real thing? Do they, yeah. Can you actually <clears throat> consistently orgasm over a long period of time without coming?
0: The problem with all that, and I'm sure I'm going to get tweets about this, is everyone who practices it is a fucking lunatic.
1: So <laughs> so you don't know because you, <laughs> you haven't actually tested it out. Yeah, so if you talk to
0: them, you know they'll tell you, yes, I completely come inside. I come internally. I absorb, I reabsorb, and the energy that I get from that is so much more amazing than the energy that you would get from an external orgasm, and then they just get like really into talking to you about tantric, and they get annoying.
1: You know, I mean, do they it is, do it? Is it by contracting that mu- the the muscle that starts <clears throat> with a P, whose name I'm forgetting, between your balls and your and Prosty? your ass? No, there's a there's a particular muscle there, which apparently if you if you learn to build it up, like we're doing exercises throughout the day, then you can it will compress and it will push against uh, the Whatever the t- that tube is called. I'm, I'm really medically astute uh, today. The dick, hole today. Tube. The dick hole tube. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like a, a male Kegel, right? The, yeah, that exactly. women do. Yeah.
0: Have you ever seen that Russian lady that can pick up, I think she can carry like 32 kilograms <laughs> for her pussy. It might be more than that. It's, it's like more than 70 pounds, I believe. Oh, she can, she, no, I haven't, checked. Yeah, she has this ability to like, I guess they put like a ball and then attach a string to a ball. At the end of the string is a weight. And she puts that ball inside of her pussy and just locks down on that motherfucker and then can literally lift up like 70 pounds of weight. It's
1: impressive. (coughs) I've been, I've, I've stood, I've stood at one end of a strip club and had a, in Bangkok, had a Thai stripper fire darts from the other side of the room out of her pussy and pop a balloon that I was holding over my head. Wow. And she was. She could fire those things with such aim. I don't know why I was so stupid because I could have gotten taken an eye out, but. What kind of speed Obviously, are we looking at? Speed. I mean, enough speed. <laughs> yeah, speed. Like, uh, what? She must have been a good 10 meters, so maybe 30 feet away from me. Oh, my God. And she's firing them across the room fast enough to be able to pop a balloon.
0: With accuracy. With
1: accuracy. That's insane.
0: Now, how is she doing this? Does she have, like, her elbows to the back of her knees, and she's got her, like, her pussy up in the air?
1: No, she was standing up. I'm trying to oh, picture exactly God. what position she was in. She, yeah, she was sort That's of kneel- kneeling and, like, standing. Kneeling uh No, no sorry, not not kneeling. Bent knees But standing upright And with a thrust of the hips Boy Shooting it out
0: What? Bent knees Standing upright Facing you? Facing me Wow That's crazy That doesn't even seem like this. That's like shooting a gun In the air When you're pointing it at the ground That doesn't even make any sense How did she do that? She might have had her
1: hands on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, Joe, I wasn't focused on her fucking mm. position. I was focused on whether or not she was going to take my eye out. I had my eyes closed most of the time.
0: Well, if she had her hands on the ground, now it makes perfect sense. So she's like a table. Yeah, a table right. sitting upright. Yeah. How's she getting the air
1: to launch that thing? I don't know. That's what's confusing about that. There were so many things that she was doing. Like, they, they have all <laughs> kinds of tricks. They have all kinds of tricks. were It ping- <sighs> started out with ping pong balls, you know, all the classic things. Also razor blades. Oh it's not pleasant.
0: Isn't it amazing what people will do if you're confronted with a a town filled with drunk tourists who have already seen everything. Mm. They've seen Muay Thai kickboxing fights where 16-year-old kids have fucking shinned each other in the head until they go unconscious. They've seen... Legalized prostitution everywhere, lady boys everywhere. Everything is chaos. Just fucking scooters with thirty-seven people piled on them. And what do they got to do? They, they they have to adapt. What's adapt. Left? It's it's evolution. Yeah. It's adapt or die. You know, you have to adapt. You have to figure out how to how to how to stand out. Well, you got to shoot a dart out of your pussy, honey. That what? Josh steps his head. <clears throat> yeah. There's. I mean, you you want to make the the argument that people are malleable. That's, that's like one of the best arguments. Like, yeah. look at that. That's
1: Not to mention, like, I mean, I've been to shows there where there are just, I, I remember the finale to one show where it was like, there were about 15 How many 15 fucking to shows did you go there? I go there a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you go to Thailand a lot?
1: Yeah. Thailand is, I, I like to say that Thailand is sort of our Mexico, if you're Australian. It's, oh, it's that's nearby, right. it's cheap, it's beautiful, uh, there are great beaches. Um, How so, far is the flight? I mean everything's sort of far from for most Australians because Sydney and Melbourne are located on the southeast coast of Australia so there's a lot of Australia to fly over. Australia is the same size as the contiguous United States so you basically have to do the entire flight from like the equivalent of Miami to Seattle before you start entering Asian airspace but from so from Australia the country itself it would probably only be 2 or 3 hours to Bangkok it's only like An hour or two to Indonesia and Singapore but from Sydney then you got to add on an extra six hours just to get out of Australian airspace That's amazing that you
0: guys are the same size that Australia is the same size as America as far as the continental or close to it But there's only 20
1: million people so you have less people than California We have half we have yeah I mean two-thirds of the population of California in an area the size of the United States if you get rid of Alaska
0: It's a badass country. I fucking love it there
1: it's I was just there. there. I, I know just, you were, yeah, uh, that
0: whole upset, right? I had a great fucking time. I did stand-up there, too, the Palais Theater. It's fucking great. incredible. I love it up there. Yeah. Down there, wherever the fuck it is. It's there. Down. It depends it's on which way you go. Exactly. <laughs> if you go north, you can get there. You'll get Takes there eventually. <laughs> the
1: globe's round, Joe.
0: Yes. <laughs> and it's spinning. The fucker doesn't stand still. But uh, its I love Australia. It's an awesome country. It really is. It's The people great. there are cool <clears throat> as fuck.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Aussies are nice. It's great. It's the, that's uh, my number one go-to spot if the apocalypse happens. Yep. If North North America falls apart, Australia is pretty much self-supporting. Mm-hmm. It's uh, democratic, really cool, nice people. Yep. Lots of space. Plenty of animals to eat. Yep. Plenty, plenty of, of land to... Plenty of fish. Jesus tons. Christ. I
1: mean, you've got the whole South Pacific right there.
0: Yeah, you just can't. You got to watch out for your fucking killer jellyfish. Everywhere you turn, you have something that can kill you. <laughs> That's true. They have, if people don't know, you've you got to look up this thing called box jellyfish, because they have... They get a bay filled with box jellyfish, and they'll say, Don't go in the water, mate. The box jellyfish are there. They'll kill you instantly. How do you say straight off? They'll kill you straight off.
1: Kill you straight off. Yeah and they will kill you instantly mm. like there's they just paralyze you when you go into anaphylactic you're shock
0: just dead you're dead i yeah. mean some people survive if you get hit like with like one or two tentacles but you're fucked man for like years yeah well don't go in the water what the fuck does that mean <laughs> it's the goddamn water
1: but in all of the areas of, of australia for a start they're only there during certain times of the year so Whatever. you were there in summer and they're not they're not in sydney or melbourne so you don't have to worry about them there they're only in. Did, you must have gone up to the Great Barrier Reef or something. No, no, no. I was just talking to people. Oh, right, that were okay. telling yeah, yeah. I didn't go in the fucking
0: water. I'm not retarded. You can go
1: in the water in Melbourne. No, it's fine. no, no. Or you Sydney. can't.
0: They they move around the water.
1: I don't no. know if you know. It's just
0: like <laughs> it's it's all connected. They could just travel to you.
1: No, that's like saying that you're going to get eaten by a great white shark in Alaska. The I, Great white exactly sharks don't saying. go to Alaska.
0: Don't go in the water in Alaska if it's connected to where the great white sharks live. <laughs> so just never, never go in the water anyway. Same fucking <laughs> water. It's the
1: same water. Yeah, but there, we're talking about gigantic
0: distances. As far as we know, as far as we know, they don't go there. But they could.
1: It's like no, they couldn't. They'd it'd,
0: it'd be too cold for them. If you knew that the wo- the woods were filled with werewolves, but only in a certain time of the year, would you go during a full moon? No, you wouldn't. I'll well, answer for you. <laughs> Depends on whether or not I trust
1: it. What you're saying is basically like you shouldn't go hiking <laughs> in Panama because there are bears in Canada. That's
0: exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, there it's you go. So connected.
1: we've got a we've got a. Jamie's just Marine brought up an image. Are Marine stingers are dangerous. Don't swim in these waters between October and May. Severe box jelly sting.
0: So what are they? Emergency treatment.
1: Oh, that's one of those, they have a bucket of, like, vinegar yeah, and you pour that's it on you. Right. So even then, you're still fucked. There's, a, um, there's a, a species called the Irukandji, which I can't remember whether it's the same as a box jellyfish or not, but someone's going to tweet me now that I've said that. Uh, and there was a case where these scientists on the Great Barrier Reef, ha- they were studying the Irukandji, and they're almost invisible. They're very tiny, small, little jellyfish <laughs> with extremely long tentacles. And... Um, they do the same thing as the box jellyfish if they're not the same thing as the box jellyfish. And they had they they had a um like a carton, a bo- a bottle of irakanji in water and they put it in their research fridge and a dude came in and drank the water thinking Ooh. it was drinking water and died instantly. Oh my god. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Put a label on it, you idiots. Put a
0: fucking skull and crossbones on that shit.
1: Yeah, there you go. There's an irakanji. That.
0: that is that little tiny thing will kill you. Yeah. What the fuck, man? <clears throat> you We're guys just need to, No, you need to clean your water out. <laughs> your water's filled with the enemy. <clears throat> Those are murderers.
1: She get some governors saying that we're not going to let any yorokanchi into the country anymore. Yeah, that is insane. It's insane that, that little tiny
0: thing can kill you. Yeah, that is unbelievable. But I
1: mean, it only Americans make a big deal out of how dangerous things in Australia. Are. Well, I mean, that's it-
0: cuz you fuckers are used to it. It's ge- it yeah. like the Thai lady with the ping pong balls coming out of her pussy. <laughs> that's normal in Thailand. I mean,
1: the the reality about Australia <laughs> is everyone's every- we've we've managed to export this Steve Irwin crocodile hunter vision of australia mm. as, be, as if we're all like rugged outdoorsmen who live in the in the bush in the outback the reality is almost half the country lives in two big cities yeah and we're all sitting around swilling chardonnay and drinking lattes complaining about property prices and sitting on yachts and going to the beach uh very few australians live in the outback we're a very urbanized country we don't i mean America's much more has much more regional variants and like there's no equivalent of the south in Australia
0: right? or the midwest yeah. even. Melbourne is uh, it was incredible as far as like the food. The food was amazing. It's great, isn't it? The yeah. coffee and the food yep. and the wine, oh my god. Like you, they know how to live. Yeah, we they're do. They're doing it right. Yeah. But you can get killed everywhere. <laughs> but you that's my box point. Jellyfish the jellyfish fucking brown aren't coming
1: into the harbor. How About not, those brown not in snakes. Large numbers. Well, they're not coming into into downtown. They're everywhere. You saw You can
0: find them my friend adam my friend adam Greentree, he lives out there, and uh, he to- he he works uh he uh, has a business and something involves mines and uh they'll they'll be working like digging holes and um you know uh doing stuff out in the bush, i guess you guys call mm-hmm. it the bush, and they'll just find these brown snakes which will just fucking kill you yeah like they bite you and you're dead
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, find them actually, all people haven't died from a snake bite or a spider bite, I don't think, since all of the anti-venoms were discovered in the early 80s. Really? Because every every local medical center has the, all the anti-venoms.
0: How long does it take for a brown snake to kill you?
1: Hours. Oh, okay. Yeah, you've got so hours. So you've got a little bit of time. Yep, and most Australians are trained in knowing how to basically, you know, obviously put a tourniquet on so that you, that you can, you know, maybe you suck out the the venom and spit it out and identify what the snake was.
0: Well, I find rattlesnakes on my property out here right. all the time.
1: How long do they take to kill you? It'll, kill, it'll take
0: a few hours, but it'll fuck yeah. you up. I've had my dogs bitten three oh. times. I've had to have them uh, they go and get anti-venom. Mm-hmm. And for people, uh, if you're broke, it's fucked because you don't have any money. It costs thousands of dollars for this anti-venom stuff. And, you know, otherwise you're going to watch your dog die because they swell up. Like The only way I found out they got bit was I, I knew that they were barking and barking and barking. So I went outside and said, ah, fuck, there's a rat. Snake. and so i kill the rattlesnake and then uh they seem okay but then all of a sudden i see some swelling on their face i'm like god damn it and so then i have to take them down because they the rattlesnake will bite them and then pull mm. away and still be alive and then bite them again and so they, their face just swole up like cartoonish like a water oh. balloon yeah but they're fine in a day or so
1: yeah good it's just expensive yeah. um i mean if a person gets bitten in australia obviously they don't have to pay because we have communism that's AKA, a good, Medicaid that's a good all. communism.
0: You know, the, I, I really get really pissed off when people talk about, uh, healthcare and healthcare in America. And this, this idea that somehow or another, it's better to not have people covered with, with medical insurance. And there's always been Medicaid and there's always been for extreme exam, but people have had medical issues that have put them in severe debt. Mm. And this doesn't, I don't, I don't think that we shouldn't have private private care in terms of, like, the best doctors and the best surgeons should be allowed to be compensated for their excellence. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But the idea that we don't right. have some sort—I mean, we have roads that are taken care of by our taxes. Why the fuck do we not have medical insurance or, or medical care that's just standard?
1: And this is exactly uh, what we're going to talk about on my podcast, hashtag we the People Live. Which is going, which we're going to do immediately after this, because I want to talk to you about Bernie Sanders. I want to talk to you about. We can talk about it right now too. We can do
0: both. We do it later, now, whatever. Uh, You're freaking people out. They're like, "What the fuck? I got to download something else." (laughs) <laughs> but it's I, I just think that a country that cares about its people, one of the most important things is the safety and the health of the people yeah like okay well we shouldn 't have you shouldn 't have to pay for the police you shouldn 't have to pay for the army it shouldn 't be something that comes out of your check, like you know, oh, you want to call the police well we 're going to require a credit card, no no, no, a guy 's breaking into my house well, uh, do you have a, a current credit card? Like, no, 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 well, no. Uh, I need the cops.
1: I mean, I hear people like Rush Limbaugh saying, should we buy everyone a car? Yeah. Does yeah. everyone get a car? Yeah. Well, he's a fat fuck. Well- I don't listen to him. Do you remember- <laughs> Fucking pill-popping asshole. Al Franken was on uh, was on Letterman promoting his book about uh, Rush, called Rush Limbaugh is a Big Fat Idiot. I don't yes. Do you remember Al's, Al's Well, He book? wouldn't
0: be able to write that book today because he'd be fat shaming. That's
1: probably true, actually. And mm-hmm. uh, Letterman's first question is, uh, oh, that's an interesting title. How'd you come up with that title? And Al goes, uh well, for a start, he's he's very, very fat. Uh, <laughs> I love Al. Didn't he lose uh, a
0: lot of weight though when he got on OxyContins? When yeah. He's prob- taking, like, he taking ninety nine pills a day. That fills up a lot of holes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you like you think about how many ninety nine oxycontins. It's a good handful of mass. Was he? Is that what he was doing? Ninety yeah, nine? Yeah. That's not get- it's fairly standard for like severe junkies. Like it's, they just start building
1: up, and you know, they why start take why, two and three at a time. Well, this and is why you in. then you then graduate to smack, and why we've got the heroin epidemic that we do in places like <laughs> yeah. New but England. that's too hard. You got to shoot it. Like it's
0: really easy to swallow those pills. You can snort it. You can yeah, smoke but it. Y- but you're also you're getting this inexact amount. Like yeah. when you just j- take a pill, you have one pill, you throw it down your fat yeah, stupid 99, face. Ninety nine though. That's a he was taking a lot. Yeah. Pull that up, Jamie. Find out exactly how many he was taking. He was taking so much that, <clears throat> and it, granted. This was told to me by Alex Jones, so I don't know exactly (laughs) if I can uh, authenticate the veracity of this particular statement. I'll take that qualification. But he said that that was why uh, he went deaf, because do you remember Rush Limbaugh was going deaf, but he had a a real medical explanation for when you overdose on opiates, when you take massive amounts of opiates, it affects your central nervous system in such a profound way, and it affects your, your entire... Physical body in such a profound way that it's possible you can induce hearing
1: loss I mean I have sympathy for the guy just because he's caught up in what is a problem beyond any individual's sort of control like the the, the problem of overprescription of opiates in America and and like drug addiction. Did you see that study yeah, by but the it way? wasn't
0: he wasn't over prescribed? He was actively seeking out these prescriptions. He was in, he lives yeah, in Florida, but it's which, an it's an I mean, it's yeah, an addiction It is an addiction but he was also a massive hypocrite
1: that was talking, totally talking totally bad about people I completely people. disagree with almost everything. He says I have a grudging admiration for him as an entertainer and a broadcaster because I think he's <laughs> so great Well, he speaks very confidently. Well, he's so good at like Saying at getting you into a position in which his bullshit sounds reasonable. Yes, right and like drawing a uh, A kind of a line of logical fallacies in such a way that you end up thinking, yeah, this guy's making a lot of sense.
0: What's interesting is that he was really hamstrung and and broken down when he called that uh, woman a slut who Mm -hmm. was trying to get birth control. Like she was trying to get... uh, She wanted birth control
1: to be covered, right? Yeah. By her university or insurance, yeah, or some
0: some sort of insurance, and you know he started calling her a slut and saying all these terrible things about her. But I believe she needed birth control because of another medical ailment. It wasn't just—I might be wrong about that, but it might.
1: Well, it, either way, what his argument was, and it's a perfect example of what I'm talking about, where he starts with something simple. He's like, mm-hmm. "What do you call a woman who wants to be paid for
0: sex?" That's a pretty good. You got to get rid of the Australian accent. Though. <laughs> I
1: can't, <It's> Jack. <laughs> <what I'm, laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I do rush. This is, I wouldn't, <clears throat> like, wouldn't, say, wouldn't claim to be She's a rush impersonator. a slut. He's hey, a slut. So, but like, he ended up getting to slut because his logical argument was right. she wants to be paid for something mm-hmm. that is only needed if she wants to have recreational sex. Well, what do you call someone who we pay to have recreational sex? A prostitute, I a think slut. Jamie, find that out in the, in the, if you get a chance. But
0: I do believe that she needed it for an other reason. There's other reasons why women take birth. Yeah, control. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Like they, like women with severe acne take birth control. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of other things that birth control can help. <clears throat> but either way, he's a fat fuck and a dummy. He is not. That there's anything wrong with being a fat fuck. Some of my best friends are fat fucks. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being overweight, ladies and gentlemen. Well, there's something wrong for you. It's not healthy, but, you know, you could fix that. It's hard, but you could fix that. Just as easy as it is to get off of heroin. As easy as it is for Rush Limbaugh to get off heroin, he can get off sugar and, and simple fucking carbs and all that stupid shit that makes you balloon up like that. Maybe just walk on a treadmill for 30 minutes it's in hard. the morning? It's hard. It's hard for people to change their patterns. It's hard for people mm. to get excited about doing something that's difficult to do that's going to be ultimately beneficial for them because it it, makes, it drains your energy in the short term. Mm. You know, you work out. If you're out of shape, you ever seen an out of shape person work out? Yeah. Fuck, man. Horrible. I've, t- I've taken people to the gym that don't work out. Like, come on. Come to the gym with me. We'll just do a little bit of a workout. And you get them on the uh, elliptical machine and you just go, we're going to do 20 minutes on the elliptical machine. And you look over five minutes in, they're ready to fucking die. I mean, they 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 turn white. Like, their face turns flush. It's crazy. It's weird to watch. You watch them struggle and then you get them to the weights and they just, they can't do anything. They're so tired.
1: Did you see the study that came out recently about um, the the huge increase in the, in the death rate, the fatality rate of white people between the age of 35 and 50, I think it was. No. So there's a spike, which epidemiologists are saying is as noticeable in the data as the AIDS epidemic was in the 1980s. Whoa. And there are three causes. Lattes. No. I thought it was going to be diet, right? <laughs> I mean, I, like, when we're talking about this, I thought it was going to be heart disease or something that's related to diet and exercise. Right. It's suicide. It's booze. And it's drug overdoses. Wow. And this is the only demographic group in America where the numbers are going up.
0: Well, I think there are, there's a lot of people that live a very unsatisfying life. And they got roped into living this unsatisfying life because someone told them that they have to make a living, that they have to make tough choices, and they have to go do things that they don't want to do, and then, you know, find a, a good job with a fucking plumbing supply company or some stupid shit they don't really want to do and they really want to be a musician or whatever, and then they just live depressed. And there's, there's, I think that's a giant percentage of people.
1: Yeah. And it's getting worse. I was talking yesterday on Facebook to a buddy of mine in Australia, um, Jacob Stone. Hey, Jacob. I'm sure he'll be listening. Hey, to this. He's Jacob. A, he's a big fan of yours. You uh, fucker. About how... <laughs> 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 but now we just start just ripping on him. No, that's Fucking a good... A fucker's
0: a good thing in America. We call each other fuckers all the time. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> not bad. Uh, yeah, up, if we were in
1: Scotland, we'd be like, he's a good cunt. He's a good cunt. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we were talking about how, like, you're not allowed anymore to have any feelings... As a white man, that are anything other than guilt about being a white man, well, first right?
0: acknowledge your privilege, before you even your privilege, say that exactly. you the right privilege now, of acknowledge of your white privilege before you even talk about what white people that's are right. and aren't around. what about non cisgendered people of color
1: okay uh, I was just listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was just listening to uh, you know Sam Harris, right? Yeah. Uh, so I was just listening to the latest episode of his podcast where he's talking to this guy Douglas Murray, who's this English conservative, and Douglas is saying that uh, that when the when the when the nuke finally when the jihadi nuke finally goes off, what we're all going to be talking about is transgender pronouns. <laughs> right it's like <laughs> that'll be the discussion about whether to call them he, she, they or they at the point when like real shit's going down like we're so distracted by so many little bu- so many little cultural pieces of bullshit at the moment well, it's because that we're losing it's sight of the big picture I think
0: it's because it's too easy to get by these people that are looking f- I think again it's, it's very easy to live today much easier than it has been at any other point in time and I think also it's very easy to communicate today much more easy than it has been at any other point in time. And before, before this era, the era of instant communication, if you had an idea, it had to be really good to get it out there to the masses. It had to be really good. It had to go through editors and publicists. It had to go to publishers. They had to print it. People had to read it and recommend it. It had to be verified. It had to be excellent. You know, if you were Hunter S. Thompson, like there was a lot of jumps you had to go through, a lot of hoops, a lot of ladders you had to climb before you could publish. You know, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Today, any fucking dipshit can start a hashtag activist. You know, some sort of a. You could start a Tumblr blog or anything, and then it can immediately be picked up by also by people that also want to be outraged, and they'll go on this goddamn rampage. And it's confusing as fuck. It's because. It's so easy to get by. It's we are we are we like spoiled rich kids mm. in a way. Spoil spoiled rich kids with our ability to communicate
1: ideas. I mean, I think the lowering of the barriers is a good thing and a bad thing, yes. right? I mean, the the flattening and the the fact that I don't have to go and talk to a network executive or a radio station owner about doing my podcast, I can just do the show that I want to do and put it out there is yes. great. But you're right that like we've become. The, the, Douglas Murray, this this British conservative uh, uh, columnist, was saying. He thinks that the problem is that there's a lack of there's – a, there's a supply and demand problem between social justice warriors and, like, racists because there aren't enough racists anymore, right? So, like, the left used to be agitated by fighting all of these big, good, noble fights. But, the, like, the fascists and the racists and all the people who they wanted to bring down have basically been vanquished,
0: not, so totally, now but, not totally, yeah.
1: but now they have to talk. Now they have to accuse people like me of being racist. I was accused right. of being ra- racist the other day because I used the phrase to call a spade a spade. Whoa! And in the 1920s, that, you, well, you got called a racist for that. Yeah, in Harlem in the 1920s, a spade was a bad word for black people. Not just
0: the 1920s; that's like pretty recently.
1: Was it? Cause yeah. I not in not in Australian language. So I, didn't even, I wasn't language, even aware.
0: Even in like the 70s and the 80s, people would use it in disparaging ways, right. like
1: the, the spades. Okay, so I'd never heard it, but apparently I'm racist now. So Because there aren't enough actual racists to keep shouting it, so they have to start shouting at but people. But a
0: spade a spade is a card term. Yeah, that's right. It's a term about playing cards. Yeah. To call a spade a spade is like a club or a spade that's or a, right. a heart. Like, that is so fucking stupid.
1: <laughs> did you see? And also, I posted something on Facebook about, did you see the brouhaha about, uh, about Meryl Streep's t-shirt? No. So she's just finished shooting a movie in London called Suffragette, where, in which she plays Emmeline Pankhurst, who was one of the great women's rights, uh, you know, campaigners back in the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. It's about the birth of the the, the feminism movement, mm-hmm. and in nineteen thirteen, Pankhurst gave this speech. His famous speech for for women's rights in which she said that the women's rights movement will survive, quote, so long as there is a woman alive to hold up the flag of rebellion, I would rather be a rebel than a slave. So they do this promotional thing in which here's Meryl Streep uh, wearing a T-shirt. I'd rather be a rebel than a slave, meaning I'd rather fight for my rights Mm -hmm. than be downtrodden as a woman in the early (coughs) part of the 20th century. Well, the internet blew up with how racist Merrill is because she's not understanding the context of that. I mean, there are, and then so I put a so there are like here are some of the tweets. I can't believe this is a re, this is real. Someone said with a link to it that the word rebel is juxtaposed with slave in that quote. Just I can't fathom this. Someone else says, then someone else tries to school him. Says the quote is from Emmeline Pankhurst, who said it in 1913 rally for women's rights, to which the social justice warriors respond. And I'm letting you know that it doesn't matter who said it. The quote is trash. And another person, white women have said a lot of terrible things over the course of history. doesn't mean you wear it on a shirt. And this just goes on and on. And I put it on Facebook and just said, I'm glad that we're focusing on what's really important. And like a black friend of mine said, you know, just started attacking me for being a, an apologist for racism. A black friend of yours? Yeah. Who, what black friend is this? Well, yeah, I'm not going to name him. who don't have to name him, but fuck him. He knows you're not racist. That's stupid. This is, yeah. God damn
0: it. The problem is there's not enough problems. That's well, the that's problem. Well, that's kind of what I mean about yeah. the supply
1: and demand thing, right? Yes. There's not enough actual problems for them to focus on. So, like, so, no, I think what I said, what I wrote on Facebook was political correctness is exhausting. And he wrote being black is exhausting. Okay. And I, and I, I wrote, yeah. And I wrote, right, fortunately, that T-shirt has nothing to do with being black. And then he went off onto this thing about how like everything, you know, people like you have to understand how other people are going to perceive things and you we have to be cognizant of always using the right words. And it just ends up spiraling down into this, this situation where all of a sudden I have to be censoring every single word that I say in case some idiot misinterprets it and doesn't understand the historical context that we're talking about the women's movement in like early 20th century Britain and not. The fight against slavery in america i don't
0: buy it i don't buy it i don't think people are really offended by it i think it's a green light issue i think it's a green they look at meryl streep in that t-shirt and if they understand the the context of what she's trying to say like if you if you quote the uh, the original piece that it was taken from Hmm. if if they still have a problem with that then what they're doing is just finding a green light that's a cunt green light like that's (laughs) i can go i can go i hit the gas yeah that's what it is yeah it's all it is it doesn't make any sense and she's she's posting something or she has a, a T-shirt on rather that's taken from a, a, it's it's a historical quote. It's really simple. The, if you have an issue with those words, because those words can be used in other forms. Well, that's your issue. It's your but the, to, to make a big deal of it and that you have to be more aware and you have to be, you know, because being black is exhausting or being Chinese. We built the railroads for you to ride that railroad and not acknowledge the fact that Chinese people died during the making of that rail fucking Christ. Enough that what we need is wolves. We need wolves at the gates. What we need is a fucking winter. We need winters coming. We well, need a fucking d-
1: Game is of my, Thrones this type is my scenario. Thing. Like, but we've, we've just had Paris. Yes. The Paris attacks. Right. Like, why can't Paris. we focus on... If you're on- in
0: Paris, I bet it's like that. You know, 9-11... And after September 11th in New York, New York was fucking amazing. And I hate to say this in the terms like this is not m- minimizing the victims or the families of the victims and horrible tragedy, without a doubt. No, one, no one's denying that. But what I'm saying is we were in New York City, me and some friends, when we were filming Fear Factor, and it was about 10 months or 11 months after 9-11. My memory might be bad, but m- the point being... People were noticeably more friendly noticeably more more like they were engaging they would say hi to each other mm. the firemen came I had a friend who blacked out because I gave her some California weed <laughs> <laughs> we were uh. We were hanging out in front of this bar. It was all these people that work for Fear Factor. And uh, you know, and uh, I, I busted out a joint. I go, you guys want to get down or what? What do you want to do? Come on, pussies. And there's all these producers. They're like, okay, okay, we'll try some. We'll try some. This is fucking space weed. Just the deepest, blackest hole space weed, right? She takes... A deep hit, and you see her eyes start to flutter and roll behind her head. And luckily, I was in a position to catch her. And I moved in, and, and we grabbed her as she was, like, she was literally just blacking out on the concrete.
1: That's some serious yeah. shit, it dude. It was some
0: serious weed. But it's apparently, uh, it can happen to certain people if you don't smoke a lot of weed. And she just decided, fuck it, let's give it a shot. Yeah. She took a big hit. <coughs> and you see her eyes fluttering, and she just gave it. So we called the fireman. The fireman came, and it was like... Like a nobleman on a, a knight on a horse had arrived. Yeah. Everybody was so happy to see the firemen, like first responders, got so much love. It was amazing. Yeah. It was well, it hundreds was cool. of their
1: colleagues that just died.
0: It was also the fact that people recognized the importance of having first responders, having firemen, having policemen, and that they really felt it like in a deep, real way. Like, mm. thank you, thank you for what you do. If it wasn't for what you you do, we would be in so much more danger. You're, like, it's, it's having having a, a very real. Man- memory of them stepping in and risking their lives and helping people and and seeing them covered with dust as they carried people out of the buildings and we we, 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 it was like it was solidified in people's memories and then over the past you know decade or so, you go back and it 's back to being New York again. people don 't look at each other, fuck you like there was there was a feeling of vulnerability that existed because we had recognized a real problem mm. and we had gone through a real what uh, they had gone through a real moment of intense adversity did
1: and, you did, did you see in the wake of Paris one of the things that I found interesting was this conversation around tragedy hipster trap tragedy hipsters. Did you hear What's about a tragedy that? Tragedy hipster. Tragedy hipster is someone who, the moment something like the Paris attacks happens, uh, starts shitting on people who are pouring out sympathy online or changing their face their Facebook profile pictures to the mm. French flag or something by saying, "Well, where were you? Why weren't you out- outraged when there was Beirut?" Like this is like this. I've got an article here uh, in the Stranger, which is the Seattle blog entitled, Why Putting the French Flag on the Space Needle is Racist. What? <laughs> by Charles Medidi, well, November, you know November 16.
0: Why didn't anybody acknowledge the attacks in Lebanon? Why didn't anybody acknowledge the attacks in Nigeria? That's there's, the that, point. There's, well, there's a real racist aspect to that, and I think there's a real argument
1: for that. So, It's, I it's think, weird. I think we have to be allowed to allow people to express like sympathy. Yes. Uh, I, I also find it a bit fatuous when everyone starts pouring out, you know, all of it. There are certain fashionable things to care about. You know, it's a bit like the Coney 2012 phenomenon or something, yes. right? Uh, where all of a sudden everyone just jumps on some social media social justice bandwagon. But I feel like Paris is a bit different. Yes, people should pay attention to Beirut. Yes, people should pay attention to Nigeria and Boko Haram. Yes, people should be more aware of what's going on. But as Obama said in the wake of of the Paris attacks, it is understandable. For people to have a more instinctive, sympathetic reaction to a city that they know, a city that they've been to, a city populated by people like them who are doing things just like them, going to see a soccer game, sitting in a restaurant, um, than they are for parts of the world where they think that that violence is more commonplace, like Nigeria. Mm. I, I don't think you can be belittling people. For genuine expressions of sympathy. I I certainly don't think that you should be accusing them of being racist. I agree with
0: you wholeheartedly. I don't think you should accuse people of anything negative for expressing sympathy. But I think that culturally, when you look at the news and when you look at CNN and the people that are supposed to be responsible for letting us know what's happening in the world... That's where the issue lies. Mm. Like, why are they concentrating solely on Paris? Why doesn't CNN have all this coverage of Lebanon and Nigeria that that mirrors it? So you get this broad perspective of the 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 actual world itself and say look look, this this isis issue is not just an issue that happened to europeans this is an issue that's been happening all over the world for a while now
1: absolutely and cnn is fucking awful and i'm definitely not going to defend cnn i mean cnn is the worst example i think of just following the most predictable line on everything they try not to alienate anyone by being too left or too right and as a consequence they're just a mush of ignorance and like parochialism but what, but
0: what do you do if you're Jeff Zucker if you're the guy who runs CNN what the fuck do you do but you put Anthony Bourdain show on that's a good move yeah But what else do you do I mean how the fuck do you do you cover the news in like a, a, a broad way and also make it a profitable entertainment enterprise. Well, which is I what
1: th- I would like to think that there's a market for smart conversations about things, which is what I try to do at Half Post Live. And we don't get small numbers. I mean, things, oftentimes I'm surprised when I have a smart conversation about the relationship between Islamism to Islam and the plight of, you know, poor Muslims in the suburbs of European capitals where unemployment is 35% and the demographic of the types of people in Iraq who are joining ISIS, who were 14 years old during the US invasion and who've just endured uh, all of the rest of their lives basically being full of civil war and people being beheaded and strung up in the streets and who hated Saddam but hate America and hate the West now for everything that they've been through. Like, when we talk about all that sort of stuff, some people are actually, you know, significant numbers of people are actually interested in hearing about it. Instead of, meanwhile, on CNN... Should the mayor of this city in in the Midwest that has a majority Muslim population be afraid?
0: How come you can do that so good, but you can't do a Rush? <laughs> that was a total American accent.
1: Uh, uh, no, you're right. Do what I can. You, you, it's, uh, w- p-
0: people are problematic. You know, it, it's very difficult for people to separate their motives from from the reality of the situation that they're reporting on. To also, you're dealing with commercial interests. You know, you have advertisers, you have all these different things that have uh, a say or at least an influence on what gets said, whereas you don't have that. There's also the difference between broadcast. And selective media. You're, That's you're, true. you have a selective media outlet, which means someone finds out about Josh Zeps from one of your many wonderful appearances all throughout the world and HuffPost Live and all these different things. They get to know you. I like this guy's perspective. He's very intelligent. He's very articulate. And then they seek you out. And then they find your thing. They subscribe to it. And then they go to it because they become a Josh Zeps fan. Whereas, CNN is just, it's out at the fucking airport, you know I'm yeah. waiting for my flight the other day and they have CNN and they're they're showing these people, you know doing these things and it's just it's on You know, it's it, there's a difference between something that's broadcast and something that you select and I think when someone gets excited about something like what you do, is someone who has chosen to go seek out your perspective and your point of view. Or well, it's very difficult to do that on a, a show like CNN or a network like
1: CNN. We have to be able to do better than we are, though. Because certainly. like 60 Minutes, it, for all of its faults, occasionally hits the nail on the head and does a good job, and certainly used to. And people watch it and watched it. Still, I mean, Cronkite yeah, used they do to a do great it. Job. You know, there's yeah. like there are good. I mean, PBS does a, does a great job. Mm-hmm broadly i think nbc news does a great job just as a co- as a whole collection so brian williams <coughs> with the exception of brian williams although i mean like who, who gives a fuck i mean i can not I, I never expect yeah exactly i he never could expect be a he, robot he might right. as well be a robot that's right who gives
0: a shit get what he siri did?
1: to do his job that's what they should do <laughs> exactly. just have a fucking laptop there but here's on, on your point about what people are going to watch and seek out there's a good piece in vox by max fisher after the all the criticism of like why didn't why, why didn't the media cover the Beirut bombings? Because like one of the most popular, one of the most retweeted tweets the day after the Paris attacks was a tweet about why is the media covering this so much when they didn't cover Beirut? Mm-hmm. And uh, so Max Fisher says, we did and nobody clicks on it.
0: Oh. We
1: do and nobody ever clicks on it. So because all no one clicks at it or no one clicks
0: on it then they just let it go and they just well I mean, at, the at some of-
1: point the, you have to yeah at some point if you're interested in having a thriving media business you have to give people what they actually want which is judged by what so they that's, click on that's so where it's fucked so they put beirut at the very top of the page and then you know what it it doesn't even register as a blip on the number of clicks, so then they downgrade it, and it ends up falling back onto the world section of the site.
0: But I think you just nailed it, because it's a business, and that's where it becomes a problem. The becomes a problem is that it's an entertainment business. Like, CNN is an entertainment network. Yeah. But they 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 entertain you by showing you the real reality TV, which is the news. But much like reality TV, you know, if you live in a house with a bunch of people and they they film 6 hours a day and then they water it down to 44 minutes on television or 22 minutes on television. When they do that, I mean they're going to they're going to do it the way they want to show it. They're going to chop out a bunch of other shit that you're not really interested in and they're going to paint a picture and they can edit it and paint that picture in a variety of different ways. Mm. But they're going to do it in the way that they think is going to be the most salacious. It's yeah. going to be the most compelling for you to tune in so they can sell you a Toyota truck. So they can, you know, advertise Tide laundry detergent. <laughs> you know, that's really what
1: it's all about.
0: <laughs> exactly. And I think that's that's a, a real problem when you combine commerce with the dissemination of information.
1: Oh, here was here's the tweet by the way. Jack Jones TV uh, has a picture of an explosion in Beirut. No media has covered this, but RIP to all the people that lost their lives in Lebanon yesterday from ISIS attacks. Let's see how many retweets it's, uh, it's got. That, that's been retweeted 57,750 times and liked 43,102 times. The picture is not from the Beirut attacks. It's from 2006 during the Israeli war against Hezbollah. And it's absolutely not true that no media has covered this. The New York Times covered it, The Washington Post, The AP... Uh, Hugh Naylor was sent to cover the blasts. The Economist had a piece on it. CNN, even CNN did it. The Daily Mail. So that's a fake picture. That's interesting. That's right. That's from nine the years ago. The wrong
0: picture. That's mm-hmm. the picture that Angelina Jolie. Uh, tweeted, too. She tweeted oh, really? it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: She tweeted it about the Lebanon attacks as well. So get on the fucking ball, Angelina. So, Stop adopting kids. Those are, those are
1: the tragedy hipsters, right? In, yeah, yeah.
0: Investigate the, the veracity of the photographs you post, young lady. How <laughs> dare she? Hashtag <laughs> outraged. I'm hashtag... She's hashtag racist.
1: How about that? <laughs> and now I don't know what to t- talk oh. about, about, uh, about, about Islam as well. Like, the difficulty <laughs> is... What are you... I'm afraid of all of the all of the right wingers taking my greatest fear about terrorism is that we end up living in like a quasi fascist state because we overreact so much that every like I got a little nephew who's 2 years old when he's 18 and he's traveling around the world like I did is he going to be able to sit outside in a cafe and and relax, or is he going to have to walk through a metal detector every bloody place he goes? It's like, a good question. And is he, going to, is he going to have any privacy, or is the NSA going to spy on everything that he does, and are we going to let it because we're so afraid of having attacks like this? And is he going to live in a pluralistic society, or are we going to be so cowed either one way or the other, where either we we take our Trump id and oppress Muslims, which only exacerbates the problem, or on the other hand, we become social just- justice warriors who are like, this has nothing to do with Islam, Islam is a religion of peace, there's nothing to see here, you don't have to worry about the Islamists, which means that we end up with mini-theocracies in our own cities where you basically have illiberal communities that don't respect women's rights and don't respect gay rights. Not own- just don't respect,
0: but actively suppress.
1: Yeah. I mean, ISIS is
0: throwing gay people off the roofs. Yep. Yeah. There's... And I don't know
1: how we talk about... This is the problem. We, and I, by, me, by we, I mean people like me who are broadly sympathetic to minority rights and who are broadly pro-civil rights and want everybody to be able to live life however they want to, and I'm pro-high levels of immigration, uh, and I'm, I'm not intolerant, I'm not xenophobic, I'm certainly not racist or Islamophobic, but how do we talk honestly about the fact that at the fringes of Islam, there is a big fucking problem, and not yield that territory... To the right wing, because you've got this the rise of these right wing. Can you imagine if there was an election? There's an election. There is an election in Paris, in France, next week. And how many more Parises, Paris attacks, would you have to have before the National Front, the anti-immigrant, racist party, won power? In Sweden, now the third largest party is uh, a party that wants to close the borders completely. Wow. I mean you've practically already got that on the GOP side here. Well, no, not even not even remotely actually, I take that back. Because they wanna they want to close the illegal border, but they still believe in having Canadians. moderate levels of Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they still believe in having people like me come in. Yes. Um yeah, so we, how white do we-
0: people that speak well with a cool <laughs> accent. Come on over.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Are you
0: educated? Sure. Come yeah. on over. Probably more educated than we are. Yeah. I think what we have here is uh, human beings classically react to tragedies and m- massive events. Uh, we have problems, and then we have solutions. And uh, there's the solution is being debated. And there's the extreme right wing answer to these solution, uh, to these problems, which is close up the borders, uh, more military, more guns, attack ISIS. Let's go to war. Let's do this. Let's do that. I think. We're also dealing with people like Trump that are gigantic egos that have uh, these platforms where they want to step up and they want to gather all this attention to themselves and point to themselves as the solution to this issue with their hardline stances. And I think what's going to happen is technology as it becomes more and more pervasive and invasive and as we become more and more symbiotically connected to the ability to express ourselves through phones and through the internet. I think the next level of this is ultimately going to be some level that allows people to communicate in a way that it's not just typing things down and it's not just watching a video online. I think we're going to be able to communicate with each other in some sort of a neural transmitting manner. There's going to be some next step level of technology with it, whether it's a decade from now or two decades from now. Where there's, it's, going to be, it's going to seem pointless to have phones it's going to seem point the the idea of having a physical thing where you have to go to in order to access information is going to seem absolutely ridiculous and once that happens we're going to see what we see right now in the world where i think i think is regardless of how crazy the world is I, i i think at least in america right now this is absolutely the safest time ever it's the, it's the when all this social justice warrior shit that we're seeing and all this craziness about outrage and hashtag racism and hashtag this and that It's bad, but it's good. It's good because it's all about sensitivity. It's good because it's all about inclusion It's good because it's all about eliminating anything that's disparaging or racist or anything where you are marginalizing groups based on something that they can't control like what they look like or their sexual preference and I think As we get deeper and deeper into this interconnectivity that we're experiencing right now, we're we're going to uh, absolve a lot of our differences and grievances through our ability to communicate with each other and connect with each other. And I think we're experiencing like this adolescent sort of angst before we get out of the fucking house and go out onto our our own. I mean, we're, we're becoming adults as a civilization. And along the way, we're experiencing... The fucking teenage hormonal rage that, you know, a 14 year old has when they're still trapped in their parents house, the the freedom that human beings are going to have in the future to communicate and express themselves is going to negate a lot of this hashtag college racism or hashtag college activism. I think what that's coming from is this this feeling that a lot of people have that their their ideas and their opinions aren't taken into consideration, that they're not taken seriously, and that that's why they're overreacting and uh, freaking out and walking through the fucking hallways in Dartmouth in the library, black lives matter, black lives matter. Like, what What are they doing? But we
1: have a greater ability now, Joe, to communicate with each other than we ever have already. But so it's so I,
0: recent. It's yeah, so I, recent.
1: I mean, I, t- I take your point. We're certainly in the adolescence of our, of our species. And... But I do suspect that you're looking at this through the prism of a mind that spends a lot of time thinking about things and a lot of time having experiences that are, that are uplifting and transcendent, drugs. whether it be through yeah, – I'm trying, trying to find a way of saying drugs. Without just say drugs. drugs. <clears throat> but not just drugs, uh, float tanks, meditation, what, whatever else it is that you, that you do in order to gain a perspective on things that is beyond your own little tribe. My concern is whether or not there is a direct correlation between upgrading our uh, the means of communication – and I'm with you that obviously the way that we currently communicate is going to seem completely antiquated in decades to come – but what we've seen happen when – like when the internet began, you sound to me a little bit like people who I would listen to in the 1990s who would say "When once everyone is online, there's going to be no need for a difference anymore because everyone's going to be able to communicate everything and everyone's going to be able to be exposed to so many different ideas that you're not going to be able to be insular anymore. You're not going to be able to be parochial anymore, trapped in your own little circle of beliefs because with the internet, everything's going to be available at everyone's fingertips all Who's the time. Saying that? Were Some people: people say, Yeah, there were, they were, were futurists who were saying that. Of course, what's happened is we've had, it's had the opposite effect. that the, the, the availability of communication has, on a widespread scale has actually enabled people to silo themselves into little, self-thinking, like communities of sameness. So that we're actually more divided than we've ever been because you can seek out only the information that comports with the way that you see the world. So I don't think that a technology is necessarily going to drive an awakening. I think the awakening comes from drugs and spiritual epiphanies and then the communication can be a tool to enact that. But I can just as easily see some communication revolution being manipulated by jihadis the way that they currently use the internet and Twitter to coordinate terrorist attacks.
0: I don't think it's an either or. I I definitely think that there are groups of insulated people that search for confirmation bias and they they stay within their tribe. But I think one of the reasons why they're so active now, and there's more of them, is because they're recognizing the inevitable future and that... You, you really you're not going to be able to insulate yourself in the past like you better get it in now while you can better Stockpile that fucking food because the famine's coming I think w- what you're going to experience in the future is going to be more and more deterioration of these insulated little tribes and I think that that's what we're experiencing when people have to apologize for things they would never have to apologize before. People, uh, like, w- what we were talking about, like, Al Franken saying Rush Limbaugh's a big, fat idiot. That was just a few years ago that he wrote that book, maybe a decade ago. Mm. You you can't write that book today. You couldn't put that book in the shelves. You wouldn't, it wouldn't be supported. It wouldn't be supported by Barnes & Noble. Mm. Like, you calling something a big, fat idiot. It's fat shaming now. And I think that... This, this increased outrage is also increased sensitivity. It's also increased understanding. And once the dust settles in the argument, then people have to like, you have to take into consideration the validity of other people's opinions, like whether or not you agree with them or not. You have to understand that it's just a a matter of this, this broad range of people expressing themselves will slowly, it'll slowly like come down to an understandable
1: vibration. I hope so. So, And let's just unpack two things that we're talking about, so we're not conflating two yes. things, right? One is the social justice warrior debate here in the United States, and the other is Islamism, and we're sort of kind of having two parallel conversations about that at the same yeah. time. In terms of social, social justice warriors in the United States, I think – I hope that you're right that what they think that they're doing is being an extension of – the great traditions of civil rights in America. In other words, that they're being motivated by a sense of understanding, as you say, and of of compassion. Yes. And of outrage against what they perceive as being outrageous injustice. Mm -hmm. My concern is that what they're also doing is buying into a long tradition of intolerance and a lack of respect for pluralism and for other people's ideas about things, and for other people's right to express ideas that they regard as being incorrect. There's a I mentioned earlier this study that I thought you were going to like that I bought. Let me just find it because it's good. It's, so there's this, uh, there's this professor called April Kelly Wozner, and she's a professor of political science at Elizabethtown College, and she's got a chapter in this new paper called The End of the Experiment, The Rise of Cultural Elites and the Decline of America's Civic Culture. And it's, it's this study, which is called the General Social Survey, which looks at how tolerant or intolerant particular demographics of Americans are, Right. So they start by, hang on, I've got tangled up in my microphone here. I was getting too relaxed listening to you talk. (laughs) I was was like kicking back. I was like getting out the popcorn, Hmm. listen to Joe. Uh, So in the general social survey, they, they, uh, they propose a bunch of different groups and they ask people how much they would like or dislike that group of people, right, just to establish who we really, really don't like. The least liked group included in the survey was Muslim clergymen who preach hatred against the United States right? That's understandable. And the second least liked group among Americans are people who believe that blacks are genetically inferior, so racists. So then they ask people how tolerant they would be to, towards those a person from that class of, of people giving a, spe, a public speech in their community. And people in their 40s are more tolerant than people in their 30s, and people in their 30s are more tolerant than people in their 20s. And when people in their 40s, the proportion who say that a, member, that a Muslim clergyman who preaches hatred against the United States should not be allowed to give a public speech is 43%. People in their 30s, 52%. People in their 20s, 60%. So if tolerance means not like, oh, I support black rights or I support gay rights or I support trans rights, but if it means respecting the right of someone who you really disagree with to express that opinion, then young people are actually more intolerant now than older people. They're more tolerant towards homosexuals and atheists, but that's because they like homosexuals and atheists more than older people do, right? That's not tolerance. Tolerance is is not a measure of liking someone, but a willingness to extend political freedoms to people who you dislike. Well, and th- young people are less, less willing to do that. Well, I think what you're saying, though, is they're less willing to accept hate speech, which
0: they think are, da- are dangerous... Sorts of conversations. They think that someone who's a Muslim clergyman who wants to express the the hate of America, it's dangerous because he could promote terrorist attacks. Someone who thinks that black people are genetically inferior to white people is dangerous because they could promote racism or they could... promote someone confirming their racist beliefs, and then instead of uh, becoming educated or becoming enlightened, they go with their initial racist instincts, and they go, I was right. You know, the white man is superior, you know, and they're they're, they're worried about hate. Right, but where does that end? both, Both those things are about hate. You know, there, it's well, not... is
1: is Meryl Streep's T-shirt saying "Better a Rebel than a Slave" about hate? Because it is to the, it is to a lot of people in their 20s. how many
0: people? How many people?
1: Well, enough people that she has to put out a press release about it. I think, like, I don't think there's anything. I, I think we are better off living in a society where bad ideas are exposed to conversation. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, sunlight is the best disinfectant. You want bad ideas out there. You want a big roiling conversation yeah. where people who are stupid or who have ridiculous ideas about the genetic inferiority of, of of black people are able to be exposed, be argued with, be contended, because racists aren't just going to go away if you ban them from talking. They're going to go underground. They're going to find other communities. They're going to they're increasingly self-segregate into their own little communities online. You want... I think you want free speech to be a big roiling debate you don 't want to be censorious and and judgmental and intolerant towards people whose eyes you, dis- you whose ideas you disagree with. You want to take them on and expose why those ideas are wrong and hopefully through that through that wrestling match that intellectual wrestling match, you all end up progressing forward you don 't progress forward by simply banning ideas that you think are are objectionable.
0: That's, that's agreed. You know, that's a very important point. Uh, I think what they're worried about, though, is these people going to schools and indoctrinating very gullible or very impressionable young people. And that's a, that's a legit thing, because they themselves have been... The, that
1: reinforces the gullibility, right? Because yes. you, don't get ex, you haven't been exposed to but any that's other what ideas. what I was going to say,
0: is that they themselves have been indoctrinated into the idea of liberalism and liberal thinking by, uh, by like, charismatic people with interesting ideas that they believe in wholeheartedly, and they're very confident in what they're saying, and that they, they speak very well. Those ideas become infectious. And sometimes those... I, I've expressed this before on the podcast, that I listen to uh, these Islamic clergymen speak, and although I have zero desire to become a Muslim, like there's something intoxicating about people that are extremely confident about their ideology. And that's dangerous with people. It's dangerous even with a person like me, who's done a lot of fucking drugs, who uh, does a lot of meditation, is involved in martial arts. I'm a free thinker, I'm a non theistic sort of a thinker. But I watch these people. Have these conversations with these massive crowds and they're saying all these crazy things about Islam being the truth. And I feel I have a fee- I feel an understanding why people would be drawn to that. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm drawn to it myself, but I understand it. Like I feel the, com- the, the compelling idea behind someone joining a group like that.
1: I think that's right. I think it's because certainty is intoxicating, yes, right? Yes, yes. Like, if you're, if you're discombobulated, if the world is complicated, if you don't know what to make of shit, especially if you're in a situation where you feel like you've been shat on for a lot of time, which is what a lot of these followers of these extremists do feel like, uh, then it's nice to just have clarity. Mm-hmm. It's nice just to just have someone who knows what the truth is and who knows what the right path is. A perfect example of that is country music. <laughs> I guarantee you, if you if you me to list five things that you were going to end that sentence with, it would, country music would not have been top top fifty. I know a lot of people that I
0: love dearly that like country music, and they lead they read the least out of all the people that I know. All the people that I know that are like really into like really dumb country music, these motherfuckers aren't aware of shit that's going on in the world. I, I have good friends that I love, but you know I have to talk to them, especially from like, like from the hunting world. Like the hunting world is goddamn hilarious because I've somehow or another become a part of this world because I've expressed this idea that I think is very important that we should be aware of where our food comes from and then uh, and I've become someone who gathers their food, you know, from a hunting way. But then you connect yourself with these people that are also in this, which are they get, become very religious. There's a lot of religion, but but it's a weird kind of religion. It's 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 almost like a hashtag activist hmm. sort of religious uh, idea where they don't understand the texts they like they'll have religious tattoos you like hey fucker you got to read the <laughs> whole book like, the book says, don't tattoo yourself. <laughs> just like it says, don't blow guys. <laughs> you know, it's like, you can't be in... Ant- like, I've, I've had arguments with people about it's, homosexuals. It's pretty,
1: it's pretty much more explicit about the don't get a tattoo than don't blow a guy. Yes. The, the blow a guy bit is always nebulous about, right. like, lying with another man yeah, well, or How something. about we but don't the, lie down? But the no tattoo. Yeah. yeah. I just, I just how about lie the next guy next gets
0: round? on his knees and sucks my dick? That's What's right. the problem here? <laughs> There's no lying. Yeah, the, the, the tattoo thing is very clear. But uh, when I got into it with these people was um, when that woman from... Kentucky wouldn't marry gay people yeah and I wrote this uh, this piece on, on Instagram and Facebook and it got you know millions of likes and all these people ch- ch- traded it back and forth and I got all this blowback from the hunting community because all these people that are you know really into God or really into religion and then you know they're, they're also recognizing so like they were getting pressure my friends are in the hunting community were getting pressure to talk to me about my stance on God Like, this is hilarious. Like, how much do you guys actually know about the scripts? How much have you guys read? How much do you know about the origins of the scripts? And it it turns out very little. Most of them, very little. But there's this need to simplify things that appear to be very complex. And the way to simplify things is to put it all in God's hands. Mm -hmm. It's all about Jesus. You know, Jesus said, I'll tell you why. I
1: want to vote for him because he's on Jesus' side. Well, this comes back to the problem of tribalism that Mm -hmm. we were alluding to earlier in the show, right? That that there is no greater... Way of encouraging people to be tribalistic than religion or mm-hmm. political affiliation, loosely loosely understood, right? Right. So there's, uh, you know, Dan Carlin's history sure. podcast. I yes. mean, man, Hard-core I love that history. guy. The best. Oh, just incredible. Have you had him on the show? Oh yeah, a bunch of times. Oh, fantastic. I have. I missed those episodes. Love I'll go back and listen that, to him. Dude, I've ju- I've just been listening. <laughs> I've almost finished getting through his World War One uh, yeah. thing, which is like Amazing. five episodes of three and a half hours each. Yeah. Right. This yeah. is like Rogan esque duration podcasts,
0: but way more way more like produced way more i mean it's it's brilliant it's like uh, there are audio books yeah i mean it's like
1: 20 a 20 hour explanation of the first world war it's just so fascinating so good and so one of the things that he's talking about is when he's talking about the balkans he's saying like when the balkans imploded in the 1990s and we had the collapse of yugoslavia and you know bosnia and serbia and all that he's like you go there even to this day and you talk to a Bosnian Muslim, or you talk to a Serb, or you talk to a Croat about the problems that they've endured, and every single one of them will point a finger at the other groups and say, they've been doing this to us for so long, and back in this day, they did that, and then they did that, and then they did that. It's like the Israelis and the Palestinians or something. It's like, oh, well, you know, th- 10,000 fucking years ago, my ancestors got massacred by blah blah And it's so easy to think of ourselves in terms of aggrieved groups, whether or not and, and my problem with religion is and my problem with – this is, this is sort of a weird parallel that I'm drawing just as I'm only sort of thinking this up right now. But there is a parallel between jihadis and social justice warriors in the sense that they each are able to take an off-the-shelf prepackaged kind of identity and set of beliefs about things and gain certainty from it and be part of a tribe and be part of a community and be fighting the good fight against people who disagree with them, who hold beliefs that they believe are objectionable, whether that belief is that the West is at war with Islam, which is what jihadis think that we want, or whether the belief is that uh, that racist, racism is okay, which is what social justice warriors think that all white people think. Right? Whew. There are these easy, off-the-shelf categories, so think independently, people.
0: Think independently is a good idea. Um, I don't know if I'm with you on that one, though. <laughs>
1: Social justice warriors and the jihad. I see where you're going with it. I mean, it's. I, I, I they're think. World, they're worldviews that are self reinforcing, and they're cliques that are self supporting, right? So you don't yes. have to ask a lot of difficult questions. Right. I, I totally understand what you're saying.
0: In, in, in that sense, I think extreme liberalism is, in a sense, like extreme conservatism. Is a religion in a sense? Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's an ideology. Ideologies are very dangerous. Ideologies where you have locked into a predetermined pattern of thinking that you you just have to conform to. I think becomes very problematic for people because the world is fluid. It's, It's there's a lot going on, a lot of weirdness to it, and I think that. There's also an issue in communication through language communication through uh, words and the ability to express yourself through words. It's sometimes difficult because what you're trying to do is you're trying to express intent. You're trying to get someone to understand how you think and view things. And you're trying to say, well, why don't you express and view yourself like I do? Or why don't you see things how I do? And maybe you're talking to someone who has a completely different idea of what those words mean and completely a different idea of the, the context of this particular situation. Scenario that you're discussing—it's hard. It's It's clumsy, isn't it? Very. It's difficult because you've
1: got this kind of platonic ideal in your head of what you want to communicate, and then you have to just rummage around in the Scrabble bucket for for the closest approximation to what it is that you're trying to impart. That's why
0: podcasts are so unique. In a way, because, you know, one of the beautiful things about it is that, you know, you do sort of search for the correct way to, I mean, you hear us do this sometimes where this is like, yeah. and what we're doing is we're just trying to figure out what's the best way for me to express this idea that I've got bouncing around in my head where I'm trying to understand how how this thing sort of lays out to everybody else. Like, how do I... How do I how do I broadcast it? How do I get it out there in a way where you know what I'm actually saying, what I'm actually thinking, instead of getting outraged at something that's not what I meant, like the Meryl right. Streep thing. Yes, that's not what she meant. She obviously didn't mean I don't want to be a slave, and like there, I want to be a black person in the 1800s. Exactly.
1: And there are certain triggers that it are really hard for people to get beyond in communication. But mm-hmm. we have to find a way to get beyond. Like the, the, I think the most pressing form of communication that we have to grapple with now is how do we speak to the Muslim community and to one another about the Muslim community and about jihadism without either being bigoted towards uh, Muslims or pretending that there isn't a problem of Islamism that has some relationship to the Muslim community and that has some relationship to the text of Islam, right? Because the moment I say anything remotely suggesting... Like, the day after the Charlie Hebdo attacks in Paris, Howard Dean went on Morning Joe on MSNBC and said, these guys are about as Muslim as I am. Well, that's bullshit, right? I mean, that's obviously not true. They're more Muslim... They're right. arguably a lot more Muslim than most Muslims. I mean, right. they are very fanatically yeah. Muslim. At least they think they are. Right. So we can't keep litigating whether or not they're theologically correct or whatever. Like, they, mm-hmm. there is obviously a cancer at the extremist fringe of... Islam that has to be dealt with and has to be talked about. And the more we just talk about it, the more the left talks about it in terms of, well, it's just a problem of extremism in all faiths. It's got nothing to do with the faith. The less able we are to actually have a conversation about what needs to be done and how to win over moderate Muslims and how not to alienate them. Because if we c- if tolerant people can't talk about it, then the only people talking about the problem are right-wing xenophobes or fascists, Right. And so what we have to do is find a way, when we talk about like those off-the-shelf ideologies, whether it's jihadism or social <laughs> justice warriorism, we have to find a way to win over moderate Muslims and make them not feel like they're being alienated and judged. We have to not be you know, sending Southwest flights back to the gate as it was the other day because two people were speaking Arabic mm-hmm. and watching a video about what's going on in like, the wake of the Paris attacks or something, and people freaked out because they don't... Mm -hmm. They think all Arabs are terrorists or something. We have to make sure that doesn't happen, but we can't have that not happen as long as everyone is pretending that there's not a problem with Islam, right, at the edge of Islam. And I don't know how to have that conversation without sounding like I'm intolerant.
0: You just got to keep talking. Everybody's got to keep talking. The arguments against it come up. You talk about the arguments against it, and it just just takes time. I really do believe that. I believe it just takes a lot of discourse. It takes a lot of communication and the clumsy type of communication that you get through language and through, through talking. I think the more this happens, the more this gets discussed, the more people gain an understanding. And again, like we we're looking at people aging or like trees growing, it is a slow process that in the middle of it, it doesn't seem like any progress is happening at all. But ultimately, if you look at the world today versus the world of 10 years ago, you see a big difference between what Al Franken was able to publish with that book and what you're able to get away with today. And I think that sort of in a, in a weird way, for lack of a better analogy, it highlights the growth that's going on. It highlights Lights. This very strange era that that we are currently experiencing, and with that, let's end this and do your podcast. So that oh, yeah. we, we'll get to. We're going to keep talking, folks, but we have to end this because <laughs> I got to pick up my kid in a little bit. But we're going to do uh, an episode of uh, We the People Live hashtag We the People Live
1: hashtag We the People Live uh, Josh and podcast,
0: and it is available on iTunes, it's and available on
1: SoundCloud, or you can just follow us on Twitter at WTP underscore Live
0: underscores with these fucking underscores I know some, man some, some other c- boss c- had
1: got WTP live I don't know what it is
0: Why, couldn't you just get we the people the whole thing or is that too many letters I think it was too many letters yeah. I don't even remember okay alright well, we're gonna do that and then we'll be back but Josh Zepps on Twitter follow him he's fantastic and we're gonna do his podcast and uh, that's it you fucks and we'll be back tomorrow with Bill Burr holla All right. thank you everybody for tuning into the podcast and thank you to our sponsors thank you to stamps.com go to stamps.com use the promo code JRE click on the microphone at the top of the homepage type in JRE and you get the $110 bonus offer which includes free postage and a free digital scale thanks also to onnit.com go to O N N I T use the code word rogan and save 10% off any and all supplements and thanks of course each and every week for to caveman coffee go to cavemancoffeeco.com and get in on some of that you motherfuckers oh. alright ladies and gentlemen thank you so much thanks for tuning into the podcast thanks to everything and uh, we'll see you soon